Hey, and welcome to another World Cup edition of the one and only Rugby Report Card. Um, interesting, interesting week this week. We're a little bit late. We recognise that, so we'll only touch on the games very briefly that occurred last week. We'll preview the games next week, but what we're here to do is to answer questions that people have kindly sent us. So I'd like to introduce uh, Jimbo Jones. James, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Good, good. School holidays, you know, surviving. Yep. The <clears throat> motto of the week seems to be from the the end of the first, is it the end of the second Dumber Dumber or midway through? So you're saying there's a chance. I like that. So you think we're a chance. I think we are 0% chance, but I like the optimism, Jim. Um, and actually, my first question I'm going to throw to you, Jim, but Richard, I'd like to introduce you. How are you, mate? Yeah, uh, not too bad, thanks. I, I just want to say, actually, because it's the first time we said this on uh, on, on the potty, Jim, your song was outstanding, mate. Can I just uh, uh, literally applaud you on your song? Great song, mate. Listen to it a few times on on, on repeat. Um, so if you haven't caught it yet, everybody, please do, because it's, it's a ripper. Uh, but I'm good, thanks, That mate. feels like an eternity ago. I'd completely forgotten all about that. But thanks, Richard. It's really kind, mate. Spent many hours, oh, the hours pouring into that. You wouldn't believe. Right, yeah, so if you, if you haven't caught it yet, if you missed it, it came out as our last podcast episode. So you can go on and you can hear it there. Um, and I've also pinned it to the top of our Twitter page. So if you haven't had the opportunity, make sure you give it a listen. And do us a favour, give it a share, right? Eh? Mm, absolutely. Um, talking about uh, sharing, there's been a lot of news that's been shared around this week, uh, from Rassi to the Ireland-Scotland game to Ian Foster. Where do you want to start, boys? Because the full so- cast have come out. The full cast have come out and thrown their two cents in to what is the uh, the neutral bullet that is rugby at the moment, which is great. Um, that that I mean, that's the fun of the World Cup, isn't it? You get all the drama, all the news stories. I'd like to start with this question from it Don't is- Look Up, and it's a picture of a schooner glass. So obviously, a very credible character. Um, and I think it's a really poignant question. This one that that cuts to the heart of what this podcast is all about. Uh, And the question is, what do we need to do to make Jim a believer again? He is jaded as fuck and has been for a fair while. A true bellwether for Australian rugby. Jim, what does Aussie rugby need to do to bring you back, to make you a believer? Look, if we can be candid and uh, turn the performance down, is he's, he's not wrong. And Richard and I... We have this chat sometimes before the podcast on just how difficult it is in a very, you know, stacked market of sports and limited time every weekend to watch. Which ones have your attention? Which narratives do you want to watch? And, mate, we can refer to the weekend that just went on here in Australia where those two grand finals were just the most compelling sport I've seen back-to-back in a long time. Like, what a thrill those two games were completely captivated throughout. And um, I think it's been a very, very slow burn where I haven't been getting the fix that I was so used to from rugby that I've searched elsewhere for it. And it's delivering very, very nicely. Like I'm, I'm very invested in, in a bunch of sports that we don't need to go into now. And to be honest, it comes down to you switch it on and it's like, same old story. Here we go. There's no narrative of the, who could he, could we, there's no competition. And if it is, it's limited and it's not real and you can't back it up. Like there's, you could just pick, pick these results and they're bad results. 
you know, you can see him coming from a mile away. So I guess in that front to what they can do to get me back is actually have me believing that we can contest in a competition that matters. Because yeah, I think it boils down to winning, doesn't it? Your team being competitive. You need to back competitiveness up with results. You're right. You don't have to win every single game. Um, That's completely unattainable, but you need to. You need me to go in there with the hope that you have at the start of the season. You need to justify that throughout the entire time. Because Super Rugby, it's great when we play each other and, you know, but we're never, we're never going to match those Kiwi teams in the finer stages of the tournament. And it's and we all know it. Everyone who watches it know it. And that translates to the Bledisloe, translates to the Rugby Championship, translates to the World Cup. So I think it's that. I think that's what's needed to happen. I'll always watch and read the headlines and whatnot, but that's what's happened. And I think it is a, an interesting distinction because you two boys are sports tragics. You're watching the NFL, you're watching the basketball, you're watching the golf, you're watching the cricket, you're watching the F1. Um, I'm probably um, a little more rugby, cricket, MMA obsessed and don't venture much further beyond that. But you guys dip your toe into so many different sports. And I think that narrative cuts through for sports fans um, Aussie rugby haven't had many compelling narratives to tell. Would you agree, Richard? Yeah, but I think it's very. Yeah, we need to make one thing clear. We're talking about dipping the, your toe into many sports. The other sports that I dabble in, as you might say, are, are not international sports for the most part. So what I mean by that is the tribalistic nature of the Premier League. You know, it's part of the culture I grew up in. You know, there's my favourite drivers of Formula One, basketball playing up as a kid and knowing the NBA. That's a that's a team sport. That's a local team sport, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, just with rugby, it's different. I don't have a tribalistic sense to Leicester, Gloucester, Bar, Toulon, Waratahs, etc. cetera. Uh, but I do love the rugby because that's the, the, the pinnacle. That's the brand that we're all saying. So, yes, I dip my toe into lots of other things. But when it comes to rugby, it is purely down to down to that international stage. And the reason why I bring that up is when you talk about um, Australia and what makes you become a believer again, it's not about being the Waratahs believing, it's about making the prime product, the, the, the Wallabies, um, and them being successful over a, a longer period of time. I suppose that's the thing. Yeah, and uh, I guess to, to cut through, the simple answer to the question is, Jim, if I can speak on your behalf, you will always be a fan, as will Richard and I, no matter what. But in order to stay optimistic, to stay up and about, we just need some compelling competitive narratives. Yep. Um, and I, I don't think that's too much to ask from a fan's perspective because you know, it's been a good eight years in the wilderness since we've had those. I think it's 38% in the last eight years win rate for the Wallabies. I've enjoyed so it. I hope you know better. <laughs> um, all right, lots of other really good questions. I'm going to jump into another not heaps fun one. But a, a meaty Unlike one. the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you're in charge of this. Well, you're not doing a very good job of picking the questions then, are well, you? Well, it'll get, it'll get loose. Build it up, build it build up. up. Once the fellas have a few schooners. But um, now the, oh, yeah. the one that keeps, I mean, getting so much attention, and we've got been asked it 25 different ways, um, is how do you make a domestic competition that is, um, I guess, commercially viable? There's you know, games on TV in primetime slots that people want to watch. There's enough games for professional players and it's competitive. We're not just getting spanked against New Zealand. Um, and in addition to that, it's a breeding ground for success for the Wallabies. So you're building continuity, you're building cohesion, you're playing at a high level. 
Um, there's been a million versions brandished on the social medias in the last few weeks. Um, and I guess my question for you boys is, I, I might stall and buy you some time and I'll throw out my own, my own idea there, is how would that competition look in an ideal world for you? The, the second tier of Australian rugby. How would that competition look in an ideal world for you? Um, my, yeah, I guess my answer just to buy a little bit of time would probably be, I, I know it can't happen right now, but I'd fall on my sword and say Super Rugby AU. Mm, um, just, yeah. get, get it to six, seven or eight teams and whether that's the Drua, Pacifica, Japan, you stretch it that way or a second team and another team in Australia. But I think for it to be a competition, it's got to at least be six teams, right? Um, and then I would have a, a, a 10 to 12 game season, you know, maybe six teams, 10 rounds, you play everyone twice, um, and then a quick semi, then final. And then as soon as that ends, you get into super rugby where New Zealand have four teams, Australia goes down to two teams, um, which is, you know, you call them green and gold, rebrand them so people aren't attached to their super rugby sides, um, and then have a, a competition there that goes for eight to ten weeks. However, that looks in a calendar, but so the guys are playing upwards of, of 20 games of professional rugby, um, and you're getting ten in a setup where you're building combinations for the Wallabies. So for me... However, that would look some version of that. That way you keep all your super rugby teams, you get success in Australia, and I think if you narrowed our teams down to two, our best 30 players would be competitive um, against the Kiwi sides. Yeah, maybe the three Kiwis, one Fiji, whatever the fuck, forget the details, but that would be my ballpark. What about you, Richard? Yeah, see, I'd slightly change it. Um, I'd still have the Super Rugby AU, and I totally agree that it has to be a 16 competition and you have to play home and away. I think one of the biggest things about the AFL and the NRL is the fact is you, the tribalistic, the tribalism comes because you're playing against someone local and you're not losing to New Zealand all the time. You may lose to the Warriors sometimes, but it's, an, it's a local competition. My only change would be that out of that 10 round competition, um, I'd like to see potentially the top three teams from each conference. So you'd have like six from our side and six from the New Zealand side. And it'd go into like a Champions League or a knockout stage where basically, um, you know, the two teams that finish top get a bye and then two, play, two plays three from the opposite side of the pool um, to play off at a semifinal. Um, and then those two, the winner of that 2v3 game then plays the number one in a semifinal to ultimately get to a final at the end like a kind of like just a straight knockout competition. So like a play a cross pollination of playoffs at the end of it. So you still have that Australia versus New Zealand element. Um, so you're fighting for two championships, one, the super rugby AU title, but also then the, the, the champions of champions round or champions league or champions cup or whatever you want to call it um, at the end of it. Um, so I like that, but I don't think we're good enough for it. And I also think with six teams in Australia, you've probably got four or five wallabies in each. Mm. Whereas I like my coming together for 10 games um, so that in each of those teams, you've got 12 Wallabies. I so suppose you have a chance yeah. to build cohesion. I suppose the thing is, what is it ultimately we're coming back to? Because if we're trying to build cohesion, and this is a, a, a yarn that's been spun many times, if you really want about cohesion, then you cut a team and then you reduce the teams completely uh, because then you get more Wallabies in the teams, play more combinations completely. 
but I still think you need to build the brand. So it's a halfway house. If you want to build cohesion and brand, you cut a team. Um, maybe the Rebels, because I think there's more chance of a product out in, in Western Australia. Sorry, Rebels fans. Um, but I think to build to make the competition true, I think you've got to keep the team all the way through to the end, even if you are going to get smashed at the end of it. But in a one-off game against a Kiwi team at home, you never know. You might get... No, I see. I like the, the new teams. It gives you something new to market to the Australian fans, making an origin-style thing. Where are you, Jim? No. Uh, look, I just... A lot of lot of points were brought up there, but the new thing I, I don't I don't think will work. I think there's been too many new things, and now we're doing this and all that changing. It's not great. I think we do need to cut down to four teams, and I think it's pretty obvious to everyone which team needs to get cut. Like Melbourne, seriously, need to see you later, champion. I don't care how much money's in that market; no one's showing up, and they're a pretty poor team. Um, so I think they need to go. And while you were speaking, I was just remembering how exciting the rugby used to be back in the day when we were like high school, you'd go and play for your local club or your school or whatever. And then um, you'd tune in for a little bit of the three o'clock local derby in the shoot shield. And then I remember the halftime of the shoot shield, they'd show you the highlights of what happened in the super rugby the night before. And it was the most thrilling watch ever. And then you'd watch after that the Waratahs or whoever was playing that night. I'm a big advocate for, and I think I'm a minority, which means I'm probably wrong. But in terms of product, this second tier needs to be more do or die, more on the line. Do you remember when they used to do the shoot shield for a good six, seven rounds, and then the Super Rugby used to start, and they used to pick the players off the form of the Super Rugby? And you'd see them on that jersey and you'd be like, man, I've been watching that dude. Or there was that clear pathway. I think what we're describing also, the other consideration with keeping it in Australia domestically in 10 teams is, is that an appealing product to a freak, to a really good player? Is that something that someone wants to stay in the country and play through? I think, I, I think there's more competition out there. Yeah, there it is. And the problem is the product that is the NRL is a, I'm not, it's not a better game. I'll continue to, to, to state that, but um, it's a better product here. So I get that. But I think if the pathway is clearer to your point, Jim, if you're playing, if you come up through the system and then you're playing Southern Districts and you know that if you have a ripper season for Southern Districts, then you're going to, going to go on to play, you get picked into the Waratahs setup. And then, you know, once you play into the Waratahs and then to Blake's point, you then go into a, you know, Sydney gold or whatever it is. If the pathways are clearer, maybe there are, and we just don't know it. But if there's a clear that, That's pathway, the other thing, yeah. If the pathways are clear and obvious to... You know, Jimmy Braxworthy down the road is a killer winger, then maybe, maybe that is willing to stay. But at the end of the day, money talks and um, the NRL has more of it than the, than the world, than Australian rugby does. And I think the last point on this before we move on to some other questions, I think the other thing we probably didn't address there um, is enough professional games. In, in Europe, they're playing 20 to 30 games a season. In Australia, playing nine or 10, getting rested for one, injured for two. I mean, James Kellaway's gone into this World Cup having played four games of rugby this year. Mm. Um, Who James Kellaway is? Andrew Kellaway, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's it's um, it's a huge. It, they're just not playing enough rugby in Australia, and I think it was uh, that well, we mentioned it before. Marcus Smith, Noah Lola, CEO, started under twenties at the same time. I think Marcus Smith's played two hundred more games than Noah now. Just to finish that up on your point, because the demand to watch that much rugby. He's not there. No one wants to watch 25 games of rugby. So they've got to have these games without being the games at the forefront of the code. Yeah, but I don't know. That, that's why I'm trying to reimagine it, that, you you know, you play your 10 games 
and then you play your next the the next you know the next sixty blokes who could make the Wallabies squads of thirty get to play another ten at an even higher level where the other guys go back and play club rugby now strengthening club rugby. Um, I don't know, just getting enough footy into the boys as well because I I simply think we're just not playing enough rugby. Um, and I think that that tells with the Wallabies. There's so many good athletes, but they just don't have a lot of rugby smarts. Anyway, we've been bogged down on this point for a long time. I think it's fair to say we don't actually have a solution. Mm. I did finish under- it off. Someone did tweet to us something about cutting um, club rugby down to one to three grades or something and Colts one to two, that's it. So it's not just anyone willing to pay 120 for the Red Joe. <laughs> which was never me <laughs> but uh, um you know, know yeah. that brings some esteem through that channel and everyone else can go play at their local club nah fuck off oh that's shit mate fourth grade's the beaten heart of club rugby yeah i agree um and and kids joining up for their colts team and sitting on the bench for threes god willing i made a career out of it <laughs> i think i think it's a way into footy for a lot of guys um i don't know I know there's a lot of club rugby diehards in Australia, which is awesome, um, and I know we come from from that place too. I don't think that's the place to double down in. I think keep that amateur. Um, unfortunately, that's my take on that. I don't think that's ever getting more elite or better. Um, and I think if you cut super used to rugby, be used to be to focus, no, I just no, I don't think so. I just think super rugby was less professional. I don't think club rugby was any more superior i just think super rugby was less professional so if there was a pre-season they're allowed to play club rugby if there was a week off they're allowed to play club rugby now you're in the waratahs camp for the whole time you got a week off well you're in a rest week because the physio said the season ends well now you're training with the wallabies and what sucks about this question is um no one knows if they tell you they do they don't no one actually knows what's the perfect recipe for this and the fact that how many times it's changed over the last five years feeds into that too. The yeah, exactly. And it's a bit like a, a coach and a Wallaby squad. You've got to pick and stick at some point. Um, but I think if you yeah. pick and stick with five Australian teams, they're, one, not playing enough rugby, two, the, there's too many diluted talent pools in Australia. There is not, you know, if you think about that, say we've got five teams, you effectively need... 20 props that can scrummage professionally plus injuries across the season 30 props we don't props we don't have them in australia man it's like a broadway play it's a broadway play all right moving on on this question for way too long um but i think fans can get bogged down in that one all right next one um crichton deal fell through what do you boys think about that one how old was he over 30 27. A lot of money already. The, the news coming out of the change room was that people were fucking off it, as they should be. Good result. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually with uh, with you, Jim. Like, um, it, it, when you talk about Edward, and I don't know the top players, but I'm asking a few players around, you know, how's Angus Crichton, what's he been doing? You know, for the amount of money that was offered from Twiggy or Rugby Australia or whoever it was to go out to the Western Force, the, the product didn't match the price. And I think um, Rugby Australia have actually saved themselves a bit of embarrassment. Not saying that he was a good, not that saying that he wasn't a good player. Played obviously um, to a high level as a kid. Plays NRL, but I think that money could be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, look, my take is Australian rugby balls it up. I think it, poacher play if Twiggy's willing to pay it, which was the rumor. Poach him, take him. But as soon as they got they leaked it to the press, 
it was a terrible sell for Australian rugby fans. It was, we can't pay women and you're going to pay this guy how much money? Um, they basically put himself in a position where they had to withdraw the offer because they look like clowns. Um, and I just think it speaks to them not knowing if they're Arthur or Martha or Australian rugby, just one fuck up after another. Um, all right, next question. Um, Rassi, talking about Scotland Island being fixed. Um, uh, Richard, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, I know your take on this, all morals and ethics. Jim, I'm expecting something a bit more conspiratorial. Is the game going to be fixed, Scotland v Ireland? Jim? Have you got this quote in context for me? Like, was he being 100% genuine? Because obviously absurd is my first response. But when I boiled it down, mate, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> this you, is play the, you play the scenario that's presented to you. The Springboks are currently my tipped team to win the whole thing. I would most certainly. Like, it's, it should be like the, the draft, the NFL draft. The All Blacks should be calling Scotland. England should be calling Scotland, getting their, their personnel manager on the phone going, oi, what do you think about this scenario? This is what we'll give you in the long run. We can guarantee. <laughs> Look, it's absurd. And when it starts like this, where does it end, right? But, can I just say, I would love Steve Walker to call up Gregor Townsend and say, hey, Gregor, how are you, buddy? Can you? We've got such you know, a beautiful history together, England and Scotland. We love each other so much. Um, fancy doing us a favour, mate? Fancy just fixing something? Uh, I'd also... Uh, just help our other buddies out island. I just think yeah. that conversation to go down. Um, uh, so obviously nonsense, Rassi just trolling. Yeah, but it's funny. Like you say, it's funny. Like he's putting pressure on the referee to double down and make sure that it doesn't happen because the referee, I think it's Nick Berry, I think has been selected, which also is kind of funny. <laughs> um, funny. And I, I think he's just putting pressure on him to say, look, if it's close, you need to make sure the calls go island's way because you know, we, you don't want to be accused of being a cheat or anything. So it's smart from his point of view, but it's ridiculous. Absurd. And rassi has gone one further. If you follow him on Twitter, he follows two accounts. It's Scotland and Ireland. That's, oh, that's it. you got to love her. This, this is actually my hot take. You want to fix Rugby Australia? Rassi, next coach of the Wallabies. Put the 1.6 that you were given to Crichton, give it to Rassi and tell him to run it as a fucking circus. <laughs> a few more follows on Twitter there. You've yeah. just you've just had a circus for the last three weeks, buddy. Come on, um, he'd, he'd come on this podcast, I reckon. Yeah, let's, if anyone knows Rassi, reach out for us. Let's get him on here. You ever watch the uh, Bucky's coaching box? He is the most vocal dude in there. Everyone else is dead silent. They must be petrified of him, and he's not the head coach just because someone needs to rein him in. But did you see what they do? I thought that was really cool. They had Dwayne Van Mullen in the box with them coaching last yeah, game. Yeah. And it's part of their squad culture that any player is allowed to attend any coaches meeting um, and any senior player who isn't in the match day squad is allowed to sit in the box. I love. I don't know, man. I like that stuff. Nah, I reckon there needs to be some separation between coach and player. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that point. There does need to be separation. But at the end of the day, he fully expects that separation to occur. But it's a masterstroke by allowing them to do it because the majority of the time, it's never going to happen. It's an anomaly when Dwayne Vermeulen does do it, but he's he's offered it. So it's kind of like that branch or that segue to say, how transparent am I? Uh, Almost like that the, the invitation. Yeah, you can come. But I'll, yeah, you can come. <laughs> Absolutely. You're welcome to come. But I'll fuck you up if you come. <laughs> Um, all right, rapid fire. Ian Foster's comments. Uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're aware of them. 
um, throwing shade on the Ireland South Africa game for being quite boring, whilst praising the attacking style of Southern Hemisphere. Yada yada yada. Takes. Shut up. That was a great spectacle. What a whopper of a game that was. Yeah, don't care, mate. You're just beating someone 94-8. Yeah, wonderful timing, but there's many ways you can skin a cat. Two, you know, play on. Who cares? Oh, yeah, I actually fundamentally agree with Of course his you do. He's just you picked do. the worst two games to make an analogous. Yeah. That on South Africa game was barnstorming, putting 100 points on a team, not particularly exciting. Right. Uh, I think he's just inflated a, a horrific game to make that comment. Um, all right. Now, next question. Uh, Pone accidentally said that Marika is retiring. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> How I saw Marika's you? wife said, no one's told me this. Uh, but if it is true, thoughts on Marika? Okay. <laughs> first things first. It's hilarious the fact that he sold out his mate and he didn't even realize it as he was saying it and gone, oh shit, I shouldn't have said this. Absolutely throw it out, which is hilarious. Um, on a second point, Marika Corobete, twice John Hill's medalist, um, you know, obviously made that transition from the storm over. Everyone questioned him, and there have been times where you could question his positioning, tackling, etc. But let's take him over and say what an amazing footballer he has been for Australia. He's been one that has stood out uh, above it. a lot of people, not just because of the John Hills medal, but above most of that Wallaby team for the last few years, uh, even for the Rebels as well. And he'll go down as um, um, a, a very, very good, not in the upper echelon of greats, but a very good rugby player and will be missed truly by Australia. Jim? Yeah, look, you think of Corabetti, right? And being a senior player in that squad and the type of leadership that he would give off, it's not your a typical type where he's in there, he's telling the boys, he's doing this and structures and fire up and these are the strategies and here's what we can tighten up. He's straight up leads by being the best player on that field for a good patch of 10, 15 when we need it most. Being the most physical dude there, running the ball the hardest. It, it's That's something that we've needed a lot over the last three or four years and it's going to be sorely missed if it is true. You can see how Mark... Marky Mark sort of has picked up similarly in the same vein as what we've seen Corabetti play. Like they're, they're pretty similar with the intensity of which they play at. So that's really promising. And I wonder how much he's had to actually do with that. But I think that's what will be missed the most. He's been excellent for us. It's been a great buy. Look, and you know, I think I've been an advocate for Marika for, for a very long time. Absolute superstar, absolute legend, belts bloke, scores incredible tries. I think he's been let down by this squad for people that say this season wasn't his strongest. Um, I just think the Wallabies didn't pass the ball past 12 or 13 ever. So he never really got an opportunity. He is a machine. He will be sorely missed. I desperately hope it's not true. Um, but but if it is an absolute legend of the game, an absolute beast. We don't, uh, let's not give this too much credit, but how good would he have been at the back, at the end of the Bull Blacks back line? Oh, honestly, yeah. I, like For me, it's it's a semi-Radradra style impact player. Um, incredible. Imagine it was him instead of Sever Reese all those years. It, it would have been even more ridiculous. Um, yeah, I agree entirely, Jim. All right, uh, question from from me. Um, oh, move on, move on. So it's not, about not replacing Jorgensen. It's not, it's not about you. What's mate? that about? It's not about you, mate. It's about our listeners. Look, isn't that just the most despicable thing you've ever heard? Do you want to have a go at answering your own question first? Yeah, go for oh. it. Just fucking does my head in. Jorgensen's never been replaced. 
Jorgensen's never been replaced. He's gone home injured. Eddie said he'd name a replacement. Hasn't. Thoughts? Really? Yeah. Oh, look, I don't know. Can't keep it up with all these injuries, man. It feels like there's a new one every 30 seconds. Um, look, this really in the winter, mate, they're not going to make it. They're going to make it. They don't need a player to sub it out. They only need 23. But we could have made it. This is before the Fiji game. Well, we're not out of it yet. Look at that positivity, Jim. Look You're at that positivity. Me, there's a chance. Um, look, I, look, I don't know what to say. I, it's, it sounds absurd. I don't understand it, but I'm not in the inner sanctum. I just think in the sea of all the other news... This has just been sorely missed that he's just robbed someone of an opportunity being part of a World Cup. My, my counter-argument is, I'm not disagreeing with you, but the counter-argument is, A, who would you pick, okay? And B, what's the... Len Ikatao. Yeah, but Len answers the phone. Oh, you want to come over, mate? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. You're <laughs> a fuckwit. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to mate. Japan, mate. I'm good. Pick Peach then. You've dragged him around all year. One he would have. Boy, Bill, you want to come over, mate? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Who would want to go and join that? Who would want to be a part of the worst Wallaby squad <laughs> in the history of, of AR? He, he probably rang around and no one answered. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Um, all right. More questions. Ready? Let's go. Oh, hang on. Oh, shit. Hang on, hang on. Um, Is this another one from you? Oh, yeah, what are those? Turn the yeah, you can like that one? All right. Uh, does Carter Gordon come back from this mental scarring? Um, has Eddie wrecked him? Yes, he does. Yeah, does, okay. does Noah. I actually think it, I think it, how horrible we are lifts Noah's stock and probably lifts Noah's mentality. Um, I think had the World Cup gone ahead and we made a semi and Carter looked pretty good, Noah probably feels pretty deflated. I think it actually lifts Noah. I think it does pretty serious damage to Carter Gordon. I reckon I, there's too many dudes with a shoulder willing to be cried on. That um, yeah, maybe short term, but I reckon he'll come good, mate. He's got so he's got a skill set that we can use. He's got a great kicking game if he can nail it. He's not scared of contact. He's got a nice little pass on him, and he's a quick dude too. I reckon he'll be all right. I think he'll be all right, but I think what needs to and one of you will probably have a solution right now. But the long-term option at 12 needs to, or the problem at 12 needs to be solved because Carter Gordon, when he crabs across, looks for that space, tries to get on the outside. Um, he needs a 12, a big, strong 12 to get over the game line for him and to protect, not protect him because he can tackle and he's strong and he's quick, etc. But I think that 12, that will really help him out a lot. And unfortunately, I don't think Karevi um, had his best World Cup, just obviously post-injury. It's not his fault, etc. Uh, but having a whoever that a settled twelve outside who does the things I've just mentioned will really help him. Um, but I think I was an that's advocate. all of them, Richard. How how isn't that all of them? I'd argue that the rebels he had no one at twelve and looked outstanding. Mm, true. Like he's got enough of a running game. I think Karevi almost made him just shuffle it. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, look, he of course he'll come back. He's a he's a gun player, but it's a long road, mate. He's gone from. The next big thing in Australian rugby to the next five eight, the next World Cup, the next five eight at the Lions. To... I think you need to, if you're comparing his form in the Rebels in Australia and how good he was there, you got to look at the tactics, mate. The tactics were Karevi hit it up, please. Yeah, Karevi hit it up or kick it. That's it. That's what I mean. Like Eddie, and then and then he's got dropped for Ben Donaldson, and and now he's injured, and now he goes back to the Rebels. 
I just think he's got a lot of work to do. Whereas, you know, had he been Quaid's understudy, he goes into next season feeling red hot again. Um, but I'm sure he'll get there. A lot of talent. Um, all right. I next, think he needs yeah, to sorry, leave the Rebels. Know. He needs to leave the Rebels. Um, well, apparently you want everyone to leave the Rebels. Um, <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, next question uh, for each of us. What is our experience of grassroots rugby? And what would you change about the grassroots experience? Richard? <laughs> um, no idea about grassroots rugby in, in Australia. No idea, unfortunately, other than my experience at a, from school level. Um, our kids, there is no... They, I would love for New South Wales Waratahs to come into schools for free. Other codes be uh, come in for free to give coaching sessions to kids, but the Waratahs don't. Um, our kids don't see the pathway. You know, They'd rather go and play for the local Dragons team rather than obviously trying something new. Um, I'd love to see sevens. A lot of our kids play touch and Oztag. It'd be great to get a sevens program uh, going going within Australia. I think a lot of our kids within the local area that we that we teach at, I think would really embrace the sevens game because of the similarities between the aforementioned sports. Um, in terms of England, it's a great product. There's so many clubs and teams out there, so many different age groups. It's not just private school system. It's just, it is in the public school as well. Um, the RFU have pumped a lot of money into it. Uh, really push the values of the game. Um, but again, it is depending on when, which region you're in. If you're in the south of England, on the Midlands, you love your rugby. Uh, whereas if you go up to the north, there's not as many opportunities. But uh, the, the pathways in England are a lot clearer and there's a lot more opportunities and uh, development, you know, development offices are more readily available to come into schools and run programs and pathways rather than what it seems in Australia at the moment for a public education system. So that would be... I'll, I'll answer this one in a long-winded, cynical way. Started at Blakehurst Rugby at four years of age. Um, great club. Phil Kearns used to come down to trainings because that was his local club. Um, to, to, I mean, what happened there effectively is um, it, was the, the, it was all over by the under-12s because everyone went to private school, so it died. Um, and even in the juniors, there was this real elitism where if you, your kid was any good, you better get to this club. Um, so there was regular 100 nil doling out um, going on in, in an uncompetitive competition. Clubs were folding throughout the season. Anyway, Blakers Rugby doesn't exist anymore. The ground we used to play at that I played touch footy at from the ages of four to 25 is now a soccer field. Um, it's now a soccer club. So that's completely dead. Uh, my next experience was through private school. Um, and rugby was was the be all and end all. It was awesome, um, you know, A's to H's, um, and it was it was it was the beating heart of the school. Now my understanding is, you know, that first fifteen still a big deal, but half the players are contracted to the NRL already, um, and AFL now has larger numbers than the rugby union teams at the school, as does soccer. So that's changed. Then I went down to Colts. Um, down at Southern Districts. That was awesome. Um, really enjoyed that experience. Don't know what else to say there, really. And then went and played some grade at Southern Districts. Um, it just felt very amateur hour, um, like it was very amateur. Um, and then I played a bit of subbies. Uh, and every subbies team I was a part of was your typical subbies club, which is Every week you get, you're playing with different blokes, different clubs, yada, 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 but always had a really good culture. But 
predicated on the goodwill of good club people. So I'd say all of those look really fragile to me. And now as a teacher in the public school system, Richard, you and I, have we've had sevens teams. We've never been able to get a 15s teams together. You, you get no support, nothing from Australian rugby, no coaching, no refing, no fields, no money, no advertising, no free tickets. There is no care. The kids don't care. It was purely on our goodwill. Um, and and that's dead too. So it's all pretty pretty grim for me, my experiences. Um, so how do you fix that? Look at any piece of that pie and you could come up with two or three answers. Jim? Look, it's not too dissimilar to you. Um, I played soccer. Are we doing our life biography? I'll do it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Just, I guess, grassroots rugby. I mean, I, I think I've just pointed out a thousand issues. Look, I, look, I'll, just, I'll do similar, except I'll take half the time. Um, played soccer all the way through primary school in year six. They asked for a couple of volunteers to do a knockout rugby league game, put my hand up, played. I was a small kid, still am, um, very scared of contact, but I had one, someone threw me the ball and petrified. I ran around everyone and scored and had a very positive experience. Then I went to private school as well, destined to not play soccer anymore. I really wanted to play rugby league and it was rugby union. I had no idea what that was. So I signed up. He mentioned H's. I think that's where I started. Um, but my issue through all my years in that system is that the teachers were the coaches and the coaches didn't know how to coach. So for a kid coming in, not knowing anything about the sport or how to play it, the coaching was pretty poor from a, this is how you tackle. This is how you get better at this. It was just backline moves and balls where no one actually told you what to do. Like, and it just took me a very long time to learn the game ages to have any confidence in any aspect of the game they threw me into the forwards because I was a fat chap proudly so but um it was real real short like the maths teacher was my coach for four years I was still I entered 16s not really knowing what the game was or how to how to tackle properly just get in their way and no injuries in shoe as a result but I left there joined Colts like you did and this is where coaching took it turned up you know more of a tribalism and more you were playing for each other as opposed to playing for your school. And that that really motivated me. And so did everyone in the team. And the coaching was a lot more intense and a lot more direct and focused. And I think that's where I really learned to play. Um, so I stayed at Colts. I did a year of grade. And I remember I did a music degree and I had a recital on the weekend and I hurt my hand, which took me out of it. And I was like, I've got to make a call here. And I never really went back. Anyway, well, I mean, that, that's our story for anyone who was interested. And, and how do you fix it? I think it was as negative as I was, all my experiences were actually really positive. I, I loved all of it and I enjoyed all of it. But if I'm looking at, um, and I even had this chat with you, Richard, which is my son, um, and I think you said he better not play rugby league. And I said, well, what am I going to do, though? In a couple of years' time, his mates will probably play rugby league. The kids at his school will probably play rugby league. He'll get his social status from either being really good and being good at the sport that people care about, or if he's shit, um, from being part of a team um, and feeling a sense of collective identity. And, and am I going to drive 30, 40 minutes to take him to play rugby, um, you know, where he might not have that sense of identity? I don't know. It'll, it'll be something I'll have to wrestle with then because, you know, we're all from the Shire and there's not a lot of rugby union down here. Well, didn't he do rugby tots? Rugby tots are two years. He goes, Dad, I'm not in anymore. He's not in, mate. He's (laughs) rugby tots for six months and brushed it. (laughs) 
but the thing is, just to finish on that, I was only joking in terms of we better not let him play rugby league. But if he, if I was Charlie, of course I'm playing rugby league. Goes back to that thing. All his mates love it. Of course he wants to. That sense of camaraderie. You know, you know, not having to drive for so long. It's the social status. So all the things you said. Of course it is. Rugby's never going to get that within this country. Stay with your mates, I reckon. Stay with your mates. Mm. So I guess a, a long-winded answer to that question is many stages need support in coaching, funding, but just advertising, making kids want to play. Um, because once they're there, it's a beautiful game with amazing values and great culture. Um, which is why we all love it. But it's just the appeal to start. I wonder if it's there for many young kids, especially in the public school system. Anyway, we've been on that one for way too long. Who will win the John Eels medal this year, boys? <laughs> Can you give it to no one? Angus Spell, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Marky Mark. Yeah. Marky Mark's Marky a contender. Bell. Yeah. Maybe Bell didn't play enough games. That would be my if, yeah, reasoning. If he did, he would have. All right. I reckon that's a good shout. Uh, next question, is power the biggest problem in modern rugby? And I saw a similar thread to this, which is, was rugby supposed to stay amateur? You know, the fact that it's so coached, so professional, guys are so big now, the rules were never really made for that. And that's why the 18s, 20s cults are such thrilling footy. Uh, but the professional game maybe doesn't have that. Is power the biggest problem in rugby today? No one? Uh, I'm just thinking power in what regard? Yeah, power is... The fact that dudes are 130, 140 kilos, and it's about contact. Oh, I'm okay. thinking here I am, like, manipulation and power and money. And no, it's about that type of power. <laughs> overpowering set pace, overpowering scrums, but just big ball carriers running into traffic, winning contact. You got it. It's, man, it's always been like that. It's always been ad line, momentum. When has it, it you look, I watched the, someone popped up a clip from the 90s, Queensland versus New South Wales. There's 400 passes, guys running crossfield, looping around each other. It was about finding space. Yeah, but no one was getting over it as much back in that day. It's not. The, the biggest guy on the field was 90 kilos. Yeah, but that's because it wasn't a professional sport. Um, I don't know. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's the biggest. Look, uh, I think it's it's the bench, actually. Um, I think um, I don't have an issue with, with there being so much power and force creation. I think it adds a different element to the game. I no, think I fucking it, love it. So. Yeah, uh, I think it's more about the lack of fatigue. The greater, the, the having a bench so big, it reduces the, the fatigue amount and so therefore reduces space. If you increase the amount of fatigue on uh, that's available, it creates more space. Ball might go wider at the end of the game, et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, I, I don't have an issue with the, being the uh, the power element within the game. They're going to play into it, mate. They go, can you eat as much as Targ Furlong, or I don't know? Can you? Like, is your leg bigger than Angus Bell's arm? Play into it. Yeah, I think they do need to advertise it, and they need to do that with the scrums. Like, make it dramatic instead of being like, oh, no idea what that. Mm, or another get a board. scrum mic. Get a scrum mic. Like, get a bit intense. Like, can make you imagine it. that? What would be said in there? Oh, if it's anything like Cults was, it would be pretty grim. That would be the funniest dude packing down it. You wouldn't know where he was on the other team, just cracking jokes. And say, God, they were good times. That's what they need. They need a scrum mic. Scrum mic. I love it. All right, really rapid fire now, boys, because I need to wrap this up soon. Um, who of the this Wallaby team, if you sort of look at Eddie's team, will be in the in the Wallaby team in 2027? Oh, geez, I don't know. 15 uh, of them? <laughs> Marky Mark, Carter Gordon, uh, Tate McDermott, 
Angus Bobby, Bell, Angus Bell, Bobby V, Bobby, uh, Nick Frost, uh, Tom Hooper, uh, Fraser McWright. Who are we running? Right. Yeah. Um, Donald Donaldson. Fuck off. Uh, if he plays at fifteen for the Tars the whole time, man, there's a, there's a future there. He's pick and stick. What are you, mate? Sadly, we don't have enough time to rip it to interrogate this question correctly. So let's hit it next week because Ben Darwin asked this as well. What does the Wallaby team look like in 2027? Is it is it these players? I think it is a – why don't we park that one for next week? Because park it. it's easy to say, oh, they're all young enough to be there. Park it, mate. It's a good but call. are they good enough? So let's park it and we'll revisit it next week. Um, all right. Who's the biggest bum in the Wallaby squad? Ooh. And you made fun of Kamini in your song, Jim. Mm. Arnold. I know. Oh, I like I like lots of those answers because my brain went straight to Donaldson. Uh, but Pone was a great shout. He was atrocious against Portugal. I think you, you've hit the, the nail on the head there. But I like Jim going Arnold, someone who's played a lot of minutes. He is. Yeah, it's the minutes for me. Yeah, it's the minutes for me. That's right. Um, boys, there's so many good questions here, but I have to run. Do we want to do... Uh, what should Eddie's KPIs be for 2024 if he hangs around? Make one friend in the media room. <laughs> yeah, actually go through an entire conference without uh, being abusive or uh, argumentative. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say pick the same team three weeks in a row and don't say mate at the <laughs> conference. All right, why don't you leave? If you've got to shoot, leave the rest of the questions. Sorry, we couldn't go through all of them, but there were some cracking questions. I saw there was like 40-odd questions. We can pick it up next week. Let's pick it up next week. Yeah, uh, we'll be obviously talking about Australia. Get up, get up, um, and go. We should all be rooting for Portugal, shouldn't we? Because I'm telling you, there's a chance. There's a chance, baby. I'll find that gif, and you can send it out on Twitter, Blake, the Dam and Dammer. I'm I'm familiar. I'm familiar. It's a good one. It's a good one. (laughs) Um, I'm so sorry we couldn't cover the games, but Ireland-Scotland will be a barnstormer. Argentina-Japan will be an absolute cracker. Then we got the quarterfinals coming. Bring on the rest of the World Cup, even if the Wallabies absolutely stink, eh? Oh, once those quarters starts, it's going to be electric. And we didn't even touch the Portugal game, but I would say that that, for me, was our worst performance of the whole World Cup, that Portugal game. I thought we were disgraceful. What a way to finish. So thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'll catch you next week. All right. Are you saying there's a chance?